was a masterful weekend for Sergio Perez and Red Bull as they not only win the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, they also win the sprint race on Saturday. They get a nice points haul. It puts them six points behind Verstappen in the race for the championship just after four races with many, many, many more months to go. But it's still a talking point as we leave Baku and head to Miami for round five. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 podcast. Glad you could be with us as we go over the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Not an eventful race, rather boring, but nevertheless, some things that we need to unpack. If you're brand new to the podcast, I hope you listen and like what you hear and you'll subscribe to us and leave us a five-star review. If you have been listening, I can't urge you enough. Please help us out. Leave us that five-star review. It really does help us in the algorithm. Subscribe as we continue to grow in our third season here at The Overtake. Now, Azerbaijan is one of my favorite Grand Prix of the year. I always like the drama that comes from that Grand Prix. I personally like the layout. I know some people don't, but I do. I like the old city. I just like the different ways that course can give you some high speed overtaking. There's so many things I like about this Grand Prix, and yet hardly any of it was there for us over on Sunday. Not a lot of overtaking, no tire punctures, no real drama other than what happened at the end of the race. Uh, We'll get to that in just a minute. No, it was rather uneventful. From a Grand Prix standpoint, it was rather uneventful. We got some sparks on Saturday in the sprint race when George Russell and Max Verstappen sort of tangled up. Verstappen was pretty upset about that. But what I look forward to from this Grand Prix is how things can get really shaken up based on something. Again, a tire puncture, a magic button issue, something that brings about uh, an upended order in the field. We've had we had six different winners of this Grand Prix. Now we have Sergio Perez as the only repeat champion of this race. So that doesn't mean, again, that we don't have stuff to unpack here, but the review of this race is going to be rather short because we don't have a lot of action on the track to sort of dissect. The The story of this race is pretty simple, right? Sergio Perez wins, but it was Charles Leclerc on the pole, and he doesn't have the car that can go 51 laps around Baku with a lead and hold it. He was going to get past. The DRS is pretty strong there. Verstappen beat him out very quickly, took the lead of this Grand Prix, but it was a matter of when Verstappen went into the pits. That's the story of this race, right? This is a one-stop strategy race. You get on the mediums, you take the mediums for a few laps, and then you get on the hard compound tires, and then you get to the finish line. It was the timing of the Verstappen pit that's the story of this Grand Prix. The safety car came out when Nick DeVries hit a barrier, spun out, broke his suspension. Now, as the safety car is coming out, Verstappen had already pitted onto the hard compounds. That meant everybody else that didn't pit was pretty much getting a free pit stop at reduced speed. That includes Sergio Perez, who was out at the time of the safety car, came in, got tires, then he had the lead of the race. Now, Verstappen comes back and goes second, but he can't catch his teammate. So in the end of this, it was those who pitted before the DeVries spin and those who pitted after the safety car. That's kind of the story of this Grand Prix. Now, it's a little bit more simple when you get to each team report, and we're going to have our report card at the end of this podcast. But other than that, that's the story. It's Red Bull again, 1-2. There's nobody in their league. Charles Leclerc said it after the race. When it comes to race pace, they're the best, and no one else has it. 
So as long as those two cars are finishing Grand Prix, they're winning and coming in second in Grand Prix. Now, I do think there are going to be other drivers in Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez winning races this year, but I think it's going to come when Verstappen is spun and can't and is beached or Sergio Perez has an electrical problem or there's some something is going to make it so that maybe Fernando Alonso wins a race or Charles Leclerc wins a race or maybe Lewis Hamilton wins a race, whatever. At some point, it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened so far after four races. Now, the big question coming out of this is, is Sergio Perez a legitimate contender for the Formula One World Championship? And when I say literal contender, I don't mean because you take a look at the points and he's within six, so that must mean he's a contender for the championship. You all know what I mean by that. That car is built for Verstappen, and Checo has done a great job of winning Grand Prix in that car. But Verstappen met a mistimed pit stop. That's just the luck of the draw sometimes. That's his race. He would have won that thing going away. So count me out on the, I think Sergio and Max Verstappen are going to go neck and neck all the way to Dubai. I'm just, I'm not buying that. Now I would love to revisit this podcast and I have no problems saying I said it back in early May. If that's exactly what we get in November, if we're going to Las Vegas, the penultimate race of the season, and we are seeing a real battle for the world championship, I will gladly, gladly admit I was mistaken. But right now, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. I know Perez is going to win a few more races, but Verstappen is going to win a whole bunch of them. But I like what we've got so far this season. Four Red Bull wins. Verstappen's got two. Perez has two. Perez has got a sprint win in there as well. So I, give me this all the way to the end. I just, I'm, I'm just trying to be the realist here, and I just don't think we're going to have it all the way to the season. But we go to Miami this week, and maybe Perez wins that one and has the lead of the championship when they, when they leave South Beach. All right, that being said, let's get to the unpacking of a couple of things from this race. One, Esteban Ocon and Nico Hulkenberg both started on pit lane. They were doing the Hail Mary strategy, which is you're going to take on the hard tires. You're going to run them until the very, very end. Hopefully there's a safety car in like lap 47 or 48, and that'll allow you to change tires and hold your position as you've been moving up when people pit. It's a strategy that Alex Albon used in Australia last year, but you do have to make that mandatory pit stop. You have to change the tires. You can't run the Grand Prix without making at least one pit stop and changing the compound of your tires. So Esteban Ocon came in very late, but as he was coming in, the there were people on pit lane in you know, setting up Park Ferme and, and, and being on the pit lane thinking no one was coming in, and we almost had a big disaster. If you were watching the telecast, Ched Kravitz was screaming about this, that there were people on the pit lane setting up barrier. There were photographers. There was all sorts of personnel thinking no one was coming in and we were just going to get ready for the celebration of Sergio Perez winning the Grand Prix. But Ocon had to pit, and it was really surprising that a lot of people did not know that given the strategical part of that element in the race. I mean, it didn't take a genius to know that Ocon hadn't pitted. You could check out all the timing sheets and showed he didn't pit. Now, it was nearly a disaster. There was a photographer afterwards that was interviewed that said, you know, listen, I was there. It wasn't as big a deal as people made it. It's you people in the media making bigger deals out of it than it really was. 
All right, listen, I got a quick response to that. And which is, I understand I wasn't there. And I was, I understand that, yeah, the media may have blown this up because it was a boring race, but it's still an issue. You can't have people on the pit lane when a car is coming in, especially at Baku. The, he's flying down the straight. When he goes in the pit lane, he is, of course, throttling down. Of course, he's braking, but he's still going at a good speed. He's still going at a good enough speed that could hurt somebody. So, Ocon, again, reacted to it. He, he has incredible braking power on his car. They're the most sophisticated cars in the world. So I don't think that it was a close call, but it's still something that should not have taken place. It doesn't, again, it, it was there wasn't some advanced analytics here that was showing that Alpine was still preparing for one of their cars to come in. You didn't have to pay much attention to notice that, you know, Alpine was still preparing for one of its cars to come into its pit stall. But this is what they want to do. They want to get the ceremony set up. They want to get things in order. They want to get everybody in place for when the final warm down, the cool down lap is over and they bring the cars into the celebratory moment. But pay attention to what's going on in the Grand Prix before you do that. They did that in Australia, too, when Alex Albon pulled that strategy. They had people on the pit lane as well. So it is a problem that they're going to have to get handled. And, and they should, because something could have, could, have, could have gone wrong. It could have gone wrong. And that ended up being the most exciting part of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. All right, now we are going to go over the team report cards real quick and then some other quick news and notes. So let's start with the winners. Let's start with Red Bull. They get an A+. It was a dominating weekend for Red Bull. I'm going to get tired of giving them A's and A-pluses all season, but, you know, to the victor go the spoils. Sergio Perez was a master on the street circuit again, dominated the weekend, picked up his second victory of the season, second in Azerbaijan. Max Verstappen finished P2. He didn't close the gap to Perez. He might have won this race again if he had just had a better timed pit stop, um, but nevertheless, that's the breaks in racing. Sometimes you pit, and sometimes it's the wrong time you can't predict these kind of things so in the end red bull goes one two again and they get an a plus but how about ferrari well i gave them a b plus because it's a third place finish for charles leclerc and that's the best anybody not driving a red bull is going to get right but for that he would should get an a you should get an a plus because it's he doesn't have the car that red bull has so why didn't i give them an a I'm a little disappointed in Carlos Sainz. Now, hold, hear me out on this. It was a P5. The only one between him and Leclerc is Fernando Alonso. But I just didn't see anything from Sainz the entire race. Right? He didn't have the pace like Leclerc did. He couldn't challenge Alonso to fourth. It's a good haul for Ferrari. So, yeah, in that way, maybe I should give them an A based on what happened in Australia. But I, there was something about Sainz and his race that just wasn't that impressive. So they get a B plus Aston Martin. I gave them a B Alonzo's run of podiums comes to an end with a P four finish. Lance Stroll finishes seventh. They had the DRS issue in the, in the sprint race. They had the little added some lubricant to it, made it a little better, but um, this wasn't a a plus car that they were driving around in Azerbaijan. But again, both drivers have strong vehicles underneath them. Both of our drivers finished two places from where they started. So they moved up two spots from where they started. Stroll did brush the wall, but he held off George Russell, maintaining his tires very well. Um, they remain in second in the constructors race behind Red Bull. It's a good weekend for them. It's probably not the best weekend that they wanted, but it's a still a good weekend. They get a B. Mercedes, I gave a B minus. 
Um, like Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton took tires just before the safety car. That cost him some spots. Now, he was able to get past Lance Stroll, but he could not catch Carlos Sainz. He finishes sixth. Russell had just a rough day at P8. He didn't do well on the restart once we had the safety car. He did get passed by Hamilton, and he did get passed by Lance Stroll. His big highlight from the weekend was the tangle with Verstappen in the sprint race. That was pretty much it. Their little dust-up afterwards where Russell thought Verstappen was going to tell him, uh, good battle, mate, but instead Verstappen kind of chewed him out. Um, both Mercedes cars finished in the points. It could have been better, uh, but nevertheless, it's a B running for Mercedes this weekend. McLaren, what do we make of McLaren? Well, I gave him a C plus. They got some points from Lando Norris. He finished P9. Oscar Piastri just outside the points with a P11. Let's get to Norris first. Stuck behind Nico Hulkenberg. Had the overtake that sort of excited some people. It's probably one of the more you know, better overtakes of a day where there wasn't a ton of them. That was the most exciting part of this boring race. Uh, but he said afterwards that he felt like that's the best that they were going to do for the race. They lost some positions after pitting in the safety car. Now, Piastri had some stomach bug that was going around. He wasn't feeling all that great this weekend. I give him a lot of credit because he had to run the sprint race and he ran the Grand Prix. Um, so I give him a ton of credit finishing P11. Um, they did go to Baku with some upgrades. Um, they had a good running in Australia and they were really excited about some upgrades. And by the estimations, a good two tenths of a lap you know, that was that was that they brought to Baku. So that was pretty good. We'll see if they have more improvements when they go to Miami. So they get a C plus. AlphaTauri, they get a C. Yuki Tsunoda finished 10th. He got the team a point. Yay! Uh, but it was Nick DeVries who hit the barrier and brought out the safety car. Maybe I should thank Nick DeVries because if we didn't have the safety car, maybe we would have had an even more boring race than we did. Uh, but that busted up his suspension. I do have to say I agree with some pundits who have not been that impressed with Nick DeVries. It's only four races into his F1 career, but it hasn't popped like people thought. You know, he had a good good showing when he was filling in for uh, Alex Albon at Monza last year, and I ju it just hasn't been... Hasn't kind of come out on the screen yet. He hasn't really shown up. So Nick DeVries, yeah, it's been disappointing so far, but I don't want to be too hard on him. It's four races into his Formula One career. So I'm going to slow down a little bit. But nevertheless, uh, they get a C. So how about Williams? Well, they get the big fat D. Alex Albon was the 12th place finisher in the Grand Prix. He and Piastri got tangled up at the start. He suffered some front wing damage. He was able to continue, but then just got stuck out there in the DRS train. Uh, Logan Sargent, he was basically non-existent the entire Grand Prix weekend. He missed the sprint race on Saturday due to a crash in the shootout qualifying in which he thought that there were some games being played by the Ferrari team. And he finished P16 in the Grand Prix and was pretty much non-existent. Logan Sargent's going to have his hands full, though, this weekend. He's from Fort Lauderdale. It's the hometown race. He's the only American on the grid in America's first of three races on the 2023 calendar. Every local media guy is going to want a piece of him. He's going to be doing TV, radio, print. I mean, everything that he that the media can get their hands on this kid, they're going to grab him for this one. So he's going to have a very busy week and then also trying to have a good showing for Williams in the Miami Grand Prix. So it's um, like Oscar Piastri in Melbourne and in round three, you know, grew up like 10 miles from the track. This is going to be Logan Sargent, who's going to be dealing with the local media for his hometown race, too. So, again, Williams gets a D.
Uh, how about a Haas? Well, they get a D2. Nico Hulkenberg started on the pit lane like Esteban Ocon, had the strategy to go as long as possible, picked up spots as, as the others pitted. Hope for a late safety car. It just didn't happen. He finishes 17th, um, needing to pit late. Kevin Magnuson was 13th. He ended up stuck in traffic, too. He had a damaged wing after colliding with Valtteri Bottas, so not a very good day for the Haas team. Alpine, D-. minus. Uh, Esteban Ocon was also on that similar strategy, hoping for a late safety car. Started from the pit lane. That didn't come. Uh, his arrival in the pits was the dangerous one, as I talked about earlier. Uh, he ended up 15th, and Pierre Gasly finished 14th. He pitted early to get on the hard compound tires. They tried a two-stop strategy. He couldn't make that work. This is a very disappointing weekend for the team, and they are not having a good season at all. At all. Back-to-back weekends with zero points. Remember what happened in Australia? They collided. Well, this is zero points too, leaving Baku. And there's one more team left, and that is Alfa Romeo. They get the big fat F. Uh, Valtteri Bottas had the collision with Magnussen. He also had some tire problems. He finished 18th. Now, there were two DNFs in the race, meaning, meaning he finished dead last of all the drivers that had a car running at the end. Terrible day, because one of those DNFs was his teammate, Joe Guan Yu. He had technical issues, had to retire. So big F for Alfa Romeo as they leave Azerbaijan. All right, so those are the report cards for all 10 teams on the Formula One grid for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. All right, so let's get to the sprint race from Saturday. The big story out of that was the dust-up between George Russell and Max Verstappen that caused Max Verstappen's side pod to get damaged. It affected his sprint race. Verstappen is not a fan of these weekends, and their fans are trying to figure out whether they like this, love this, or can do without this. I don't think this is universally loved. I don't see that in social media, and I don't see that and hear from people who love Formula One that this is something that they need, something that they look forward to. It's a little awkward. I woke up Saturday not knowing if I wanted to get up early to watch the qualifying for the sprint, and I I ended up not doing it. It was on super early where I live in Nashville, and even the sprint race was on early Saturday. Now, in my time here in the United States, the Grand Prix for Sunday was at 6 a.m., and I do get up for Grand Prix. I don't tape delay them. I do wake up, even if it's on a day that I get to sleep in a little bit. But I wasn't going to get up to watch qualifying for the sprint shootout, and then Saturday I felt like, I needed to sort of arrange my early morning schedule because I did want to watch how the shootout was going to go. But here's the thing. If we had five or six competitive teams on the grid, and that's a lot, so let me reduce that. Maybe three or four competitive teams on the grid, meaning they're interchanging, right? Fernando Alonso wins a Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc wins a Grand Prix. Red Bull wins a Grand Prix. uh, Maybe Mercedes wins a Grand Prix. Like, we had four teams, and they were all close, and you could interchange them, and nobody would be blown away by it. Then I think the sprint races would have tremendous value you'd almost get a mini version of what you were going to see on Sunday rather than what we're going to get this year, which is Red Bull winning these things. And that's it, right? Nothing else. You're not going to take a lot away from these sprint races. The drivers are going to be more competitive because there's points on the line and it doesn't affect their Grand Prix anymore. It doesn't affect the running order of the Grand Prix, but If you add some competitive teams to this, then I think you're going to see people more interested in these sprints. Was I really interested on Saturday morning instead of going out to breakfast, sitting at home and watching a one-third race that's about, I don't know, half an hour long? Was I really interested in watching a Red Bull cross the finish line with a bunch of other cars behind them? Kind of. It's what I like. It's what I do for this podcast. 
but it's not as thrilling as when it the race comes on Sunday, and that to me has the most value. You're going to have to give me a reason to be interested in the sprint race. The way you can do it is if you have more competitive teams. You can sell this to me if you've got a Ferrari, a Mercedes, an Aston Martin, somebody else maybe, McLaren, that's in the mix for winning Grand Prix every single weekend. Well, we're a ways away from that. But if we get to that point, then I think you're going to have some valuable sprint races because it sort of allows us to get a little pre-race before the big race. It's like, listen, if you follow the NBA, for example, you can lose game one by 50 points. It's what you do in game two that matters, right? And what you do in game three. The series is about adjustments, and then you make adjustments, your opponent makes adjustments, and then you make adjustments to what your opponent's doing. It's a chess match. It goes back and forth. So it's not completely apples to apples here, but it gives you an idea. If you have a sprint race with like four competitive teams, you might watch the result and go, all right, who's going to be different? Who's going to have to do something different over the longer race? And it might just be more intriguing, but this might be old man, get off my lawn, but it's awkward. Like to have qualifying on Friday, I'm doing radio on Friday. I'm working Friday. I, I got to watch it later. That's the qualifying that matters to me because it's the Grand Prix. And then Saturday becomes either A, I'm, I'm invested in this or I'm throwing it away. I don't have any value on Saturday if I'm not interested in the sprint race. Well, I am interested in the sprint race because I do this podcast and I, you know, I, I follow Formula One as both a fan and a media member. The reality of it is, is that I, I feel like I'm not going to get anything from it. I, I feel like when I watch the race, it's a standalone event that doesn't have any value other than give me the top eight and the points. Right. And even it's not a lot of points to get all excited about. All right. One other note before we get you out of here, I just want to say thank you to the producers of the new Max Verstappen documentary, the Max Verstappen Anatomy of a Champion. Uh, they asked for three clips of from this podcast to be included in the story of Max Verstappen. And I was really thrilled that they did. So I was really excited. So if you haven't seen it yet, when you see it, I hope you hear I'm in, I'm in it very briefly, like three clips and they're pretty short. But nevertheless, I was really excited to be in it. I've done some pretty cool stuff in this career. Uh, this was the coolest like just to hear my voice in this documentary was pretty neat so i did want to publicly on this podcast thank him for that uh that opportunity it was really really special all right we're off to uh, miami for the miami grand prix that is going to be this weekend and we'll have a preview of that race coming up uh in about thursday or so we'll preview the race we'll go over the circuit we'll go over the storylines leading up to the second running of the miami grand prix logan Sargent, the hometown hero running a race that he grew was born not that far in fort lauderdale and it's the first of three american American Grand Prix, and you'll hear a lot of people talking about the American interest in Formula One. So that's coming up later this week. So be on the lookout for that. And once again, if you like this podcast and you haven't left us a five star review, I would love it if you did. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, I would love it if you did. Uh, and if you're new to this podcast, give it a few more, you know, give it a couple of episodes and see where you want, see if you like it, see if you like it. All right, I'm Tony Desiri. We will have the Miami Grand Prix preview coming up later this week. And this is the Overtake F1 podcast.